The NBA is wasting no time. The free agency period starting with a bang. It's not even it's not even midnight yet. We're still technically on June 30th, at least uh, as we get together to record this. And yet there's already stuff happening in the NBA. Um, a Paul George trade deals being agreed to um, illicitly <laughs> and uh, and importantly in what we're getting together to talk about the Jazz acquiring Ricky Rubio today for a first-round pick owed to them by the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, who have also been active on this free agency eve. So to talk about all of that, uh, you're in live, not live, you're in listening to a Salt City Hoops podcast. I'm Dan Clayton. That's Ken Clayton. Ken, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. No, uh, no rest for the wicked. Uh, we're just getting right to it. Yeah, it's uh, been a pretty active, well, you know, the whole offseason. I was joking earlier that um, after the playoffs, we should just cancel the playoffs and done the offseason twice this year because so far it's been pretty exciting. For sure, for sure. And by the way, at this point, can we just like the next time Adam Silver or anyone else from the NBA or, or, the, or any of its 30 teams talk about tampering, can we just put a laugh track under that and like <laughs> – just call it out for the comedy that it is because nobody gives a flying crap about it being midnight. Like first there was the Chris Paul deal, which for that deal to happen the way it went down, there had to be coordination with James Harden and the Rockets before, right. Um, before the deal was made. And then tonight, you know, Blake Griffin has already with, you know, two hours to go before free agency started. Blake Griffin had reportedly already, agreed to his new deal with the Clippers. Drew Holiday is reportedly close with the Pelicans. Jeff Teague is close with Minnesota. I mean, it's just, let's stop kidding ourselves and just say that free agency is apparently a year-round exercise in the NBA. Yeah, although I don't know if you saw Tony Jones had a uh, tweet that Drew Holiday is now looking at Indiana. So that came out after we heard that it was almost a done deal. So anyway, that's probably off topic, but you're right. The, the idea of tampering and let's definitely use air quotes on that because apparently nobody really cares uh it's it's uh, just every man for himself and you know here's the thing though someday someone will decide it's gone too far and they'll come down on it and whatever team or teams or players get caught up in that it's going to seem like it was really incredibly unfair because they'll point back back and say well blake griffin in 2017 and da, 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 yeah. and they'll be right but eventually somebody will cross a line and go farther than they've ever gone before and the nba will probably have to finally act like they care i don't think it's going to happen this year but you know someday yeah good point um i was going to say relative to the drew holiday thing because i had seen that report um and i and i find it curious but then you know now that they have powerhouses like demonis sabonis and Victor Oladipo, who wouldn't want to play in Indiana, right? <laughs> that is true. They've really loaded the cupboard. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe the biggest thing they have is they don't have DeMarcus Cousins because some guys in the past haven't wanted to play with him. So yeah, who true. knows? Who, who knows what uh, what his driver is and if he even really ends up there. But that's just that was just an interesting thing when when there was a guy out there who we thought, oh, he's already agreed to go back to his team and then that wasn't the case or, or maybe isn't. Yeah. Well, we, um, we got together to talk about a transaction that happened to, that happened legally today <laughs> because <laughs> the jazz had until midnight tonight to, um, to execute a deal or deals that would 
um, that would use the last of their cap space for the 2016-2017 campaign. Now they already made a payment to their players for the shortfall, so they, you know, they've already spent the money, so to speak, but they still had cap room to go ahead and absorb salary, and they did that today, bringing Ricky Rubio in for a, a draft pick for that Oklahoma City draft pick, which then probably honestly got less valuable because now with uh, Paul George joining Res- Russell Westbrook. I think uh, I think OKC figures to be better. I don't know if they'll crash the Western Conference power structure yet, but they'll be better. And so, um, you know, looks like a, a well-timed use of that pick as an asset. But um, let's talk Rubio. And I'm just curious to get kind of your macro. We're, we're going to make this a, a bit of a quick hitter, at least we think so. So let me <laughs> uh, let me hear, Ken, your thoughts on uh, on Ricky and, and how he fits with the Jazz. Well, I look at Ricky Rubio and I see, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little too old school because I think the point guard position has changed a lot in the NBA, uh, even just in the last few years. But he looks more like what I grew up thinking a point guard was. Of course, when I you know, when you talk about who I think a point guard was, that was John Stockton, um, de- uh, a pass first guy. Um, unlike Stockton, he's not a great shooter, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go on. Um, in fact, you had some interesting stuff on that that we were chatting about last night before the trade happened. Um, so, but a guy that, you know, you just watch some of the highlights of him and he's a guy with just incredible court vision. And that's what I think that's the exciting side of what he's going to bring to the jazz, the court vision, uh, a little faster tempo if the jazz want to go there. And, uh, and, and then, you know, the age that's not on the basketball court, but the age, you know, that the difference between George Hill and him, that's going to, that's going to be a nice thing that he'll bring to the team. Uh, and hopefully that includes being healthy as well, which is not guaranteed. He's had some trouble with that in his first few years, but on the court, I just look at the court vision and think there are probably some real opportunities there. Yeah. He missed, uh, he missed seven games this past season, six games yeah. this season before that. It was the first his first four years in the league when he had a little bit yeah. of a problem staying on the court. In fact, missed major time um, in three of his first four seasons. He did have an eighty-two gamer in 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 the in the other one, but uh, but yeah, I, I think yeah, I think we're thinking about this similarly. Ricky is an an elite passer, not just in his ability to deliver the pass, although he does have some just crazy creative stuff that he can throw, and and you know he. He has the ball on the, on a string at times, and he can get it through tough angles. He's he's really good at executing the pass, but I think where he's really elite is in seeing the pass. I just think he's got a level of court vision that the Jazz haven't had for a while, and that's not to say he doesn't give up other stuff. But when you combine that elite court vision with really the fact that I think he I think he's probably like what a top five defensive point guard, top three or four defensive point guard. I mean, I, I can't think of too many starting point guards that play um the play the kind of defense he does with his uh I, I believe it's a six nine wingspan um and just really good defensive smarts and and lateral movement I, I i think i think that that's as much of a benefit as well um although certainly they'll they'll have to solve for his shooting on a on a team that already doesn't always have the best spacing yeah and you've got to have you know you you got to hope if you're a jazz fan that the that one of two things or both things happen. One is maybe he can work on that shooting, not to say that he hasn't before, because obviously he's an NBA player. He's been trying to improve his game. Um, at least, you know, 
But that's what we expect that most NBA players have been doing, although I'm sure there have been exceptions. But, you know, the Jazz have really been able to help a few players with exactly that. And the biggest one we'll talk about, I think, a little later is Joe Ingles. Um, Nobody was looking at him like a lights-out shooter three years ago, and they picked him up off the waiver wire. And now he was, you know, the whole season in the the top one, two, three, four guys shooting the three ball. Um, And then the other thing is – Rubio has been sitting on the team for six years that has averaged about 29 wins a year. Yeah. Let's see what he can do when he's on a team that has more talent. So, yeah, we look at him and we say he's not a shooter who's going to who, who's gonna help stretch the floor and, and spacing is going to be worse. But he was on a team where he couldn't take advantage of some of that because he was on the court with less – uh, you know, less talented guys too. So he was probably a little more the focus of what an opposing team was trying to shut down. Now he's out there with a Hayward, with a Gobert. Maybe. I mean, hopefully, hopefully with Hayward. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm. Um, but you know, if he is, he's out there with these guys. Um, you know, he's he's probably not. You know, maybe he can keep closer to that the the um, results he had the last two or three months of this season. Yeah, well, that, I'm glad you mentioned the the teammate quality because um, that's something I've been thinking about as this Rubio thing has been on the table for you know it seems like weeks now. Um, and I and by the way, I've been a fan of this deal long before it ever happened. This isn't this isn't revisionist or me getting on board or me spinning it because it happened. It's uh, you know when it first came out that the Jazz were looking at players like Rubio and Bledsoe and Beverly and Corey Joseph. I think Rubio was always at the top of my list, even. You know, even factoring in the shooting thing, all, all three of those other guys are good shooters, or at least good shooters in certain situations. Um, and, and and I just think that what Rubio provides is is so unique within that group that I that I think you let me put it this way. So Rubio shot five twenty nine true shooting a couple of seasons ago. He shot five thirty nine this past season. League average is about five thirty five to fifty, you know, to to five forty to fifty four percent, which means so so Rubio has brought his shooting up to um, up to around league average on a per shooting possession basis. Now that factors in free throws. That factors, you know, what yeah. I mean. Like we're giving him credit for stuff that maybe we don't really define as shooting when we're scouting a basketball game. But the point is he's basically a league average possession user now. And the reason why I think that's important is because I think, I think if Bledsoe were a league average possession user, and by the way, he has been these last couple of seasons, his career marks are a little bit higher, but for the last two or three seasons, Bledsoe has been pretty close to average himself. If you're the guy that's scoring all the time, if you're the guy that's using the possessions, you can't be a 540, 550, 560 true shooter. Um, yeah. But if you're if you're primarily the guy who's getting other people involved and facilitating and creating, then I think the shooting needs to be, you know, good enough that people have to take you seriously. And I and and so I'm encouraged by Rubio's performance over the last couple of seasons. Certainly during the during the last half of this most recent season, um, I think it. It, it shows signs of a player who at the very least, you know, he's going to continue to be a threat because of his ability to find angles to make plays for others. So you have to play him differently anyway, because of that. And then the fact that he's, you know, he's not a, he's not costing his team points on, on a possession basis. And, and I think that that's something that people kind of need to update their thinking about Rubio, because you might, 
there might be people out there that are still operating off of the 2014 Ricky Rubio scouting report, and he's been a little better than that lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you mentioned the free throw thing. I mean, that was the difference because I think you, what you pointed out to me yesterday was his true shooting percentage is higher than a guy we look at as a shooter in Rodney Hood. Way, way higher. And, uh, yeah, and I looked and uh, I thought, well, that sounds odd. And I looked and it's Rodney shoots the ball better from the field, so he probably does help the spacing better during the actual offensive possession. It is all about the free throws. Rod, uh, Rubio's getting to the line twice as often and he's and he's making a higher percentage of them. So that's that's what's bringing his true percent true shooting percentage up compared to a Rodney Hood. But you're right. I mean, it still all all fits in. And the Jazz could use a guy who can get to the line a little bit. That's something they've lacked often outside um, of Hayward. To, to to the point where we joke about that a little bit. Like seriously, what do we got to do to get a call? I mean, this goes back to guys who aren't even around anymore what do you got to do to get a call but yeah the jazz could use that and he doesn't go a massive amount of time but it was uh i want to say it was just under four per game is what he's been going the last year or two yeah yeah um now i mean to be fair someone had and i and i wish i could remember who so i could source this it was some uh some numbers guy who analyzes the league on a on a national level um posted recently an estimate of who the most open and least open shooters are in the NBA. In other words, who gets kind of the most respect and gravity paid to their, their jump shots. Um, yeah. Rubio was in that, that bottom 30 or, or top 30 numerically, but basically bottom 30 respect factor wise, meaning, yeah. meaning, you know, the five twenty nine, five thirty nine numbers aside, like Rubio is still a guy who a lot of teams will opt to let him have the pull up jumper on the pick and roll. And, you know, the Jazz are going to have to scheme for that. But it's easier to scheme for that when you have an elite role man in Rudy Gobert. You have a guy who, when he was healthy, was an elite and very springy and capable role finisher in Derek Favors, who, you know, we'll see we'll see if he's still around this fall and, and we'll see if he's healthy. But, but that's interesting. And then, again, you may have Gordon Hayward as well as some shooters spacing for you as well. So I, I don't think it's I don't think it's unsolvable for um for Quinn Snyder I do think it's different from Hill and that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is um just you know there are some obvious contrasts to Hill um shooting wise I think defensively they're similar although I would put Rubio just a a tick ahead on uh I would put him just a tick ahead on defense um, playmaking Rubio is head and shoulders head, but I guess just kind of on the macro, are you are you okay with the Jazz, especially given some of the noise this week about Hayward potentially preferring Hill? Are you okay with the Jazz just deciding, you know what, we're gonna lock down the one who's 26 years old and the one that we know we can land today on a two-year deal with reasonable money? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, in my opinion, the Jazz only do this. If they think, and the keyword is they think, who knows exactly what's in Gordon Hayward's head, but they only do this if they think it doesn't hurt the Hayward pursuit um, based on conversations with him. And it, and it sounds like that's what has been kind of out there today. Because And the reason why I think that is this wasn't just a, hey, we can save money and we can get this wrapped up early and we can move on, move. They literally didn't. The Jazz didn't have to do this deal today, even though we talked about the expiring cap space. And here's why. Because if they do this 
and they lose Hayward next week because of this deal and other factors likely, they get the cap space back. So, yes, they temporarily lose it, but once Hayward goes and they don't sign Hill, because I don't think there was any chance they were going to sign Hill if they didn't get Hayward. I think that was going to be a package deal um, or or Hayward only. Um, I don't think it would be a, ever a Hill-only deal. So if they do lose Hayward next week, they're going to have that cap space right back, and they could have done this deal next week. So I think they only do it today because they didn't think it hurt the Hayward pursuit. And, in fact, it probably helped because they got him before – the Hayward, you know, the Hayward uh, meeting on Monday. And I don't know that they would have had anything wrapped up with Hill by then, because I think Hill was looking like he was going to be, you know, still swinging for the fences. Sometimes in the NBA, I'm talking a long time here, and you, you probably have a few words to get in edgewise. Sometimes in the NBA, I feel like the, the, the free agents existing team, there's a higher expectation. They can pay more, and so the players just expect them to play more. There might only be a market out there where another team could pay 15 to 20 mil, but George Hill or a player knows, well, my team doesn't have that limitation, so they can go to 25 for me. And I think sometimes that hurts the existing team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I agree with your broader point, too, in, in terms of, you know, like like for me, this is an okay gamble. Um, Andy Larson, our Andy Larson, I should say, was reporting earlier that, uh, I don't know if reporting is the right word, he shared earlier that the Jazz have been running potential deals by Gordon Hayward. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't know that that happened today, literally, because obviously that, that conversation is a little awkward today if you're talking to a pending free agent. But Hayward is still employed by the Jazz for another, you know, 25 minutes as we're recording this. Yeah. So tech, so there's nothing wrong with them contacting him and saying, hey, how do you feel about this player? Do you think this player would, you know, be a good fit for the Utah Jazz? The only way that they start to break rules, again, insert laugh track because nobody gives <laughs> a crap about the rules. Um, the only way that they're breaking any rules is if they start talking to him about contract matters or about future employment past July 1st. So... You know, that tells me and the and the Andy tweet tells me that um, that the Jazz know, you know, the Jazz know how Gordon feels about Hill, but they also know how he feels about players around the league. And if there's a player that Gordon feels like, oh, my gosh, I would not play with that guy, the Jazz and their and their staff know that. And they're not going to go after that guy. You know, if if Gordon really has a concern about playing with Isaiah Thomas, and I don't know if he does or not, but if that report is true, then the Jazz aren't going to go trade for Isaiah Thomas. So I think the fact that they went and got him means, um, first of all, I think we need to give the Jazz credit that they're not going to make that move if, if they believe that it would seriously hurt their Gordon pursuit. I think we need to give Gordon the credit that he... Um, is smart enough to not drop an ultimatum around one guy who, you know, is an above average starting point guard to be sure, but we're not, you know, he's not saying go get me LeBron or I'm got, he's talking about an above average player at his position. And then I think we need to give Rubio credit. I think people need to, I think Rubio has been underrated um, largely because he's, he's played on some crappy teams. He hasn't had a lot of talent around him. He had a couple of years with love and now he has a developing Carl or had a developing Carl Anthony Towns. But outside of those two players, he just hasn't had the teammate quality for the NBA world at large to really see um, just how creative and fun and exciting a player he is. Right. 
Let me ask you one more question about the trade. I mean, there, there were some people out there this afternoon. I was at lunch when the, the trade basically developed for about 10 minutes or, you know, it was rumored for about 10 minutes and then it's happening and then boom, it was official before I'd finished my, my salad. Um, some people were upset that the Jazz gave up the OKC pick. I was amazed that the Jazz got him for just the pick. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I um, I had sort of resigned myself to the fact that it would take a, a player, that it would take either Hood or Favors. Um, and that was disappointing because, you know, I, I think if the Jazz have an opportunity, and we'll, we'll get into kind of the Hayward discussion and, and what this acquisition means relative to Gordon. Um, but, uh, but, but I, it, it feels a little bit from reports today and, and the noise from national guys that maybe the jazz are going to have to try to make a bigger splash too. Like they might need to go after someone else. Um, and if they need to go after someone else, they're going to need player assets. You know what I mean? Yeah. In addition to picks. So just being able to head into free agency now with hood and favors who, by the way, are both really good players. I mean, they're, they're both starting quality players. And because of that, you know, I think the jazz would be fine if they don't get any big name free agents to, to say yes to a sign and trade and, and, you know, or they don't get the team's help to make that happen. But I, I like the fact that they made this Rubio deal and they still have the ability to go to teams and say, Hey, your guy's interested in playing for us would you be interested in a package around Boris Diaw because that expiring contract will help him make a deal, but also, you know, throw in some of those guys. So I think not only was I surprised, I think it's a big deal that they oh, yeah. still have, you know, the hoods, the favors, the, the Exums, although, you know, I'm still a little reticent about, I, I mean, like obviously there are players you would trade Exum for, but um, I, I think it's a big deal and, and we'll see if it gets them anything. I mean, Sign and trades are extremely hard because you have to get three parties on the same page and not just two. But uh, but I think that was a good score for the Jazz. Yeah, Hood favors the the Dio expiring contract. The Jazz twenty eighteen pick still intact. In fact, all their future picks intact. So yeah, I was I was a little surprised. In fact, I uh, as I was saying earlier that this this individual tweeter I saw who was so upset that the Jazz had given up the OKC asset as they referred to it, I thought I think I have found Danny Ainge's Twitter handle. Yeah, because right. he's the only guy out there who'd be so upset that they gave up a single pick. Well, I I was listening to Lowe and Arnovitz of ESPN talk about this earlier, and and Lowe was basically saying. You know, it's if they get rid of Rubio, it's not going to be a straight cap dump. They're going to get something back, right? Like maybe they'll get a couple of seconds. They probably won't get something as good as Exum. So, like in the in the eyes of you know some pretty smart national guys, um, you know, I I don't think I I think the OKC pick is right in the price range that that they were thinking. It's lower than I was thinking. I I I had been telling people for a week or two. Yeah, I think the Jazz can get Rubio, but it's probably going to cost them Hood. But you know, apparently they really want to go sign Jeff Teague, and so they would—they would rather have the yeah. cap space to sign Teague and and still have some money left over to pursue another big name free agent. So, yeah, I don't and for know. the second year in a row, the Jazz get a guy because the other team wants Jeff Teague. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, which we could talk about. We could talk about how fun that is too because i don't know about you i'm not like i don't i don't drool over jeff teague um 
I'm glad to hear that. So I, I think it's I think it's funny. I mean, I get that the grass is always greener. I just don't see that particular grass as being particularly right. verdant. So, um, <laughs> so Hayward, um, the question becomes, and we talked a little bit about this in terms of, you know, the Jazz wouldn't have made this deal if they, if they thought that Hayward was sour on Rubio. But do you think that the Rubio deal is enough for Hayward, or do you think they're still working on something semi-big? Oh, I absolutely think they're still working on something semi-big. Um, whether that's whether that's able to be brought to fruition, well, nothing can be brought to fruition, but whether it's able to be agreed to and, and more or less public by the time they meet with Hayward on Monday, who knows? But I, I absolutely think they're still working on some things. They're still um, – Quinn Snyder, I think – covets in a big way a real stretch for I mean we've talked before about how it just seemed like he never bought into the fact that Favors and Gobert could be on the court at the same time and with a point guard that has less shooting ability that might be more true so you got to look and see is there a, is there a stretch for out there that we can get somehow whether that's by trade or um, mid-level exception type money um trade you might have a better shot to get a little better player if you can just find the right match between a team looking to drop the guy a, a guy who fits that role better but uh, if not they'll get to that secondary market that i think we talked about in a post we did a week or so, a week or so ago about you know the the pattersons and the who amir johnson's those guys in the world yeah yeah even, but even I, someone I, so, like so, kelly olinick like who knows if sure who knows if he's going to get above the mid-level especially if boston has to sacrifice his uh his restricted rights to uh you know as they chase down their other pursuits although their other pursuits is the guy we're talking about sorry you were going to say yeah, something else it, though no well uh yeah whatever that was no i yeah the, their other pursuits i think is almost down to a single pursuit at this point i mean they missed out on jimmy butler they've missed out on paul george um i think paul george was one of the the, the paul george rumors bringing in george and hayward both that was the point where I got most nervous about Boston, and that that's off the table now. Oh, me so, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that doesn't mean hey, we're good and still decide Boston's a nice place to go for the next X number of years. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Boston's kind of, and and that in a, in a different way, that's a little scary because now Boston's like they got one thing their 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 wish list is down to one. Oh, the other one is Griffin. I mean, they were going to talk to Griffin. They were going to talk to you know they were going to talk to all these guys and they they've missed out on pretty much everybody except Hayward so they get their shot on Sunday I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, um, Alex Kennedy is reporting that Rudy Gobert will be present for the Gordon Hayward session with the Jazz. So yeah, I don't know if you saw. I think that was kind of a response to um, Hassan Whiteside announced that he was going to be present for the Miami meeting. So. Um, and I and I just don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm guilty of being uh, giving Rudy Gobert more credence than you know than or or Hassan White said not enough credence. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know as a player that that's going to be like. Oh yeah, I'll come to Miami if Hassan's going to come to this meeting. Wow. That's, yeah. You know, it's it's not not like he just brought in a legend or something. I, so I, I don't think that the Jazz have mostly as a function of the of the budding white side go bear rivalry. I don't think the jazz have historically had like a, uh, 
really high opinion of Whiteside. I'm not I'm not sure that's the player that gets that seals the deal. Um I think Drogic probably interests Gordon Hayward, you know, the idea of playing with Drogic. I think there are other guys who would be um who would be interesting, but sending Whiteside a player who some jazz players have kind of like openly mocked as a as an empty numbers guy. Um you know, I, that, that's not to say I know how Gordon Hayward feels about Hassan Whiteside. I just know that that's been kind of an open joke among some jab, jazz players. So that does seem like an interesting choice. Um, Joe Ingles reportedly uh, could be getting an offer as big as $15 million a year from the Orlando Magic. Um, how afraid of you are? Uh, how afraid are you of that? Do you think that the jazz can match something that big, et cetera? I don't know. Scuttlebutt is that yes, they would. Uh, that's a starting salary of thirteen something. I figured earlier, a little higher than I had penciled in, but I always knew I had penciled in maybe a little conservative number. So um, they they just saved a little bit on what I had penciled in for George Hill. So uh, they can they they have a little bit of a save there. We'll see where he really lands because I do think and this is probably pretty uncommon in NBA players, I think he really does feel some affinity to the Jazz and that they've helped make him the player that he is. I don't think he's going to take half, but I mean, I don't think he's going to fight him every for every penny. I think he feels like he's pretty happy, you know, with Utah. And, you know, hopefully that's not a big, big, huge deal. Hopefully it doesn't come down to, oh, somebody else is offering an extra 500K and it gets to the point where there's a bidding war and the Jazz back out. Or don't, or I guess the way it would play out is they wouldn't match. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not that concerned about the the Joe Ingles thing. I expect he'll be back, and with with him back, and with a point guard, and maybe one other move, or or the promise of another move, or uh, the a grocery list of moves that could possibly be made in the next few days. Gordon, maybe that's enough. That you know, hopefully that's enough. Yeah. That he he does. Well, I I do think Joe Ingles is pretty important to that recruiting pitch just because of how close he and Hayward are on a personal level. Um, yeah. Now I think Joe is the type of guy who will probably, um, I, I don't even think he will sign an offer sheet without first going to the jazz and saying, Hey, they're offering, they're offering me a deal that averages 15 a year. What can you guys do? Like, I, I agree with you. I think his affinity for Quinn, his affinity for the culture he and his wife are comfortable there with their twins. I, I mean, I just I think that he will give the Jazz a chance to work something out, and and um, and you know if the the worst case scenario is that Dennis Lindsay says, you know what if if you've got if you've got go if you've got fifteen on the table, go sign the thing, and we'll think about it for a couple of days, and the Jazz get him for a starting salary of like you say thirteen or so. So I I think I think that bringing back Joe is is pretty important as it relates to Hayward. Um, oh yeah. I also think it's pretty important in, in basketball terms, especially if like we've been talking about um, hood and favors are kind of the, the best remaining trade bait. Um, any thoughts on that before I power through to the next question? Well, no, I, I think I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'll just, I'll just stop there. I just noticed that um, Nene has now agreed to terms and Steph Curry is on on um, what did it say? On track to agree to a contract shortly after midnight, which means, by the way, he's already agreed. Yeah, We're but done. but at least that. But at least they're pretending. So like, yeah. <laughs> golf clap warriors for pretending that the rules matter. Um, yeah, 
You know, everyone else is just brazenly like there's already, you know, Jamal Crawford has already been on the record talking about Blake resigning. Like, you know, at, at least there's some theater involved to making it look legitimate. Yeah. Um, my other question was going to be and and, you know, we didn't talk about this. We didn't prepare for this. I, I didn't prepare for this. Maybe you prepared for this. We just we talked about something semi big, maybe following and that could be the coup de grace as it, as it comes down to negotiating with Hayward on Monday. Um, you said stretch four, but you said that the Amirs and Patrick Patterson's and Kelly Olynyk's of the world were your kind of second tier of choices. So who's in your first tier? Who who do you think that the Jazz could get either by sign and trade or, um, or by just trade trade? Because they're not going to sign someone outright as a free agent. So it, it has to be... Right a deal is there anyone you have in mind um that you think makes hayward go oh well dang you know i what i have in utah now is definitely good enough to rival what um well it's it's certainly good enough to rival what boston can put together because they they can no longer do the paul george thing but is there anything that would be like you know hayward's own little mini version of a super team um well, earlier in the day, there was still the there was was still the talk floating around about you know Kevin Love, and I know there are people out there who don't like Kevin Love on the more on the defensive end, on the offensive end, he's a perfect candidate for what I'm talking about. Now that Paul George has gone to OKC, I don't see that that anybody's pulling Love out of Cleveland for two reasons. One is they were willing to do it maybe to get Paul George, but also they don't feel as much pressure now because they don't. I mean, I think Cleveland now feels like hey, the East, the East just didn't you know boston's not going to improve at least as much as we thought so the thought thought they might so they're not nearly as motivated to make a big move especially now that paul george is off the board um you know another guy a lot of jazz fans throw out there's a paul Millsap. you know i wouldn't predict that but again that's that's the type of player and i don't know that he's quite as stretchy although he did you know bring the three-point shot late in his tenure in 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 utah but um He's, you know, he's, a bigger name like that. He's skilled, so I think he oh, fits. Yeah. You know, I think he fits the bill, even though he's not necessarily a shooting four. Like he's, yeah. he's someone who can definitely play next to Gobert. Yeah. Well, and he can, and he can definitely play next to Gobert, defend out on the perimeter, and that's part of on the defensive end. That's what I think of as a stretch four. He's not a stretch four as much on the offensive end, as far as you know. Let's put him in the corner and just, you know feed him off i mean you you can but it's not going to be you know not as much as a kevin love or somebody like that who's who's a little more automatic from there and and does a little more volume from there yeah so guys guys like that i don't i wasn't you're right i wasn't prepared for that but guys like that guys with a little more if you could bring in i mean both of those guys i mean they're all stars or you know have been at at given points actually they were they both this past year uh no Millsap. uh Millsap was Oh, then yeah, they both were because Kevin Love was. They both were. Okay, I didn't watch that train wreck, so <laughs> um, I didn't want to see 400 points scored in a 48-minute game. Um, I mean, the only to... other I'm scrolling through the list of bigs, you know, not just free agent bigs, but bigs in the league, and kind of scanning for names of guys who are both starter quality and who, you know, can operate in space and 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 have some skills. I mean, the only other name that stands out is even halfway to where Love and Millsap are is Thaddeus Young, and I think I, I think I, I think he's really, I think he belongs in. Um, 
I think he belongs in the other tier, you know, or, or maybe in an in-between tier. Maybe he's not down with the Pattersons of the world, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just not seeing a ton of, you know, Darrell right. Arthur is skilled and can hit 20 footers, but Darrell Arthur isn't a starter quality player either. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I, I will see what they can do. I guess the other option they could go is, is they could find someone who's a knockdown shooter at the two position. And, um, you know, I don't know who that is. I don't think that they have a realistic shot at JJ Redick. Um, my, my pipe dream has always been that they could, especially now that it looks like the bucks are going to sign Tony Snell to a deal averaging 12 million. I, I, I just keep thinking that Milwaukee has so many wings that if you offered him Derek favors and a pick and maybe Rodney hood for Chris Middleton, that there's a point at which they have to think about it just mm-hmm. because, you know, they have like six rotation quality wings and almost no rotation quality big men. Um, but I, but, but I think that's a pipe dream cause I just don't think he's available. I mean, the deal makes sense on paper, but I just don't think they've made that player available. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think those are deals that shift the calculus for Hayward. The question is, you know, does, does Paul George not landing in Boston make it so that the Jazz already have, at least out of those three teams, the best basketball situation to offer him? Right. Well, we have five minutes until we start getting hit with bombs. Yeah. Correct? Serious. Yeah. So we should, uh, it's been fun. We'll get this posted so that everyone else can enjoy the madness. Um, Hopefully it'll be relevant for a while, especially since the, uh, (laughs) since the Jazz don't meet with Hayward until Monday. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll uh, try to do more of these and um, try to enjoy free agency as it unfolds for Utah, for the Utah Jazz and for the rest of the NBA. SaltCityHoops.com.